and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we continue to answer your questions. We had almost seven pages last week, and we got through just under three. So this week we're going to go a little faster and see if we can get the rest in. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. So actually, the SGC is no longer a friend of the show. Not true. No longer a paying <laughs> friend of the show. The SGC will always be a friend of the show. And every time I see that happen, I always feel a little sad inside. But just know that part of being a friend of the show is undying gratitude for life. So we still undyingly gratitude you for life. And sometimes we might accidentally still throw in your name. Yeah, it's because he told everyone to unclick the $2 thing. <laughs> 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 yeah, but the twenty dollar one, I really wanted to stay clicked. That, that that's. <laughs> I, it's funny because the SEC sent us all T-shirts, and I think I wear that shirt at least two or three times a month. It's like one of the most comfortable T-shirts. Mine doesn't fit me anymore. Well, you're a fatty, so whatever. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. It's not fat shaming. That's baby shaming. It's got to be better, yeah. right? <laughs> I think I'm mostly fluid now. <laughs> What I'm telling myself. Yeah. It's mostly yeah. fluid. <laughs> Cindy's getting to the point where it's, especially with the heat, it's like the belly is just exposed. She's like, it just needs to be cooled. It's going to be exposed to the air. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I cannot argue with that. Um, let's see. A reminder, we're on Zoom. Uh, you can join us each week at tabletopgametalk.com slash live. And there'll be a link there to click on and join us live on Zoom. Right now we have 12... Plus us, there's a total of 15 people hanging out, making funny faces, distracting me. Um, it's all good. <laughs> I had to switch over to speaker view instead of gallery this week because there were just too many people. I couldn't find you in Fletcher amidst <laughs> the crowd. You're in the upper left corner, so you're very easy to see for me. So it's like I a was giant the first one family. here today. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you have to look the right direction. Everyone look up, down, left, right. Um Let's see. A couple bits of news. Uh, Gen Con was canceled this week, which also means our live show has been canceled this for this year. Uh, that really just means there's going to be a lot more games at the next Gen Con to give away. So, no, I will not be mailing them out. That's crazy, crazy expensive. But I will be stocking them up. And, yeah. Uh, we Also, Gamehole Con was canceled this year. So that will also be something that we won't be at at all. And that makes us sad. And I think that completes all gaming conventions are canceled for the year of 2020. Yep. Seems like it. So, But they're going online. And I highly support going online and doing this, even if I have absolutely no idea how to do this or how anyone's going to do this. Uh, but Origins <laughs> is just around the cor- corner. So we'll see. Um, Eric just mentioned that PAX is still up. But... For some reason, I doubt that's going to actually stick. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it's not that people won't be going out and socializing and doing things. It's the quantity of people. Yeah, it's um, a number. Right. It's a big, big gathering of many, many people from many different states. Yep. For Gamehole Con, Wisconsin essentially says, actually, I think it's Dade County in Wisconsin, um, basically said, until there is a essentially a treatment or a vaccine, um, any gatherings of over 100 people will be essentially canceled. So the Alliant Convention Center is owned by Dane County. So that's why they're like, nope, we're done here. So we'll see. Um, and then for Gen Con, I think Gen Con, it just came to a point where it was too, too many too soon. Again, it's one of those things. It's just the number of people. That's, that's the issue there. Um, but online, everything's trying to go online. And again, I haven't really looked too much into this. I'm interested in watching like the seminars and stuff like that. I don't know how game playing is going to work. Um, although I really want to do an episode on on online game platforms. But the only thing I play is Can't Stop on Board Game Arena. <laughs> so I, You can't I, stop playing Can't Stop? It's so good. Uh, and Hanabi, actually. Hanabi on there is pretty good, too. So we could spend, you know, an hour talking about Can't Stop and Hanabi. Um, yeah, we'll see. I get and you have. <laughs> but not when we recorded, thankfully. <laughs> not when we recorded. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, we went to Kitty and I actually saw each other in person 
We socialized. We did it. Yeah. It was <laughs> oh mostly God. because Chris had stolen my bassinet and I needed it back because I'm in imminent need of it. <laughs> it was it was very awkward. Um but no, it was good. Uh, it we was brought fun. Zachary. Zachary and Player Three got to like hang out and play together. Zachary was just in tears because it occurred to us he hasn't actually been out of his own house in over two and a half months. So he's in Which a strange, is a long time in his life. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but it took him. I don't know, maybe five minutes to say, "Oh, toys. Okay, these are different oh, yeah. toys than I'm used to." <laughs> So. Oh, Player three toys. running up and shoving cars <laughs> directly into his face. <laughs> yeah, good time. Fletcher, what did you do? Did you socialize with anyone? No. Are you combining bubbles? Not, <laughs> not in person anyway. Just, uh, we got our car. So we ordered, uh, we, we got a car, um, a used car, and we finally got it delivered um, last week. So we now have a car. You but bought a car really online? Take it anywhere. So uh, Car- Carmen's dad is actually a car salesman. Um, so oh. we, yeah. So if we need car stuff, we go to him and he hooks us up. So that's, we got the, we had a for friend cars, who was that's pretty nice. Nice. We had a friend who was a car salesman who we would always go through, but he now sells elevator maintenance packages or something like that. I don't know. So <laughs> he sold me. I no longer minute. have Honda loyalty. <laughs> I mean, I love my Honda Accord. Uh, but the one that Ooh, he also sold it to you. <laughs> yeah. But the one that Matt sold me, like the computer died within the first year and it took him a week to like, they had to replace the whole motherboard or something. And I'm like, yep. all right. Um, <laughs> and there's been a couple times where all of the automated systems just decided to stop working, including opening the trunk because everything's powered. So nothing <laughs> worked. And it's like negative 30 degrees out and the car's just like, eh, nah, I'm cool. Like, yeah. Does it still have, you have the to wait manual for a software release update for to open the door? There's, there's, yeah, exactly. There's no manual release on anything. You can't open there's, the door. You can't start the car. There has to be a manual release inside the trunk, but you have to be inside the trunk to get it. Yes. Yeah. If, so I the trunk, <laughs> if I were inside the trunk, if I were inside the trunk, inside the car, <laughs> it wouldn't be a problem. I don't know if I have ever told this story on the podcast before, but it's one of my favorite stories when. I was probably like 20 and my sister was 16. We were watching an episode of uh, Tyra Banks's talk show <laughs> where she taught everyone that there is a glow-in-the-dark manual release handle in almost all modern cars now. So we went outside, of course, and took turns locking each other in the trunk of the car <laughs> and popping back out. And she was telling her friends about it later. And she was at a park with all her friends because, you know, they're 16. What else are they going to do? Um, so they were, so she locked herself in the trunk of her car and popped out to the police standing there like, what is going on? Because the Downers Grove police are bored. And they drove past a group of like 12 teenagers staring at the trunk of a car. <laughs> and she had to pull out the registration to be like, no, this is my car. I learned this fun safety lesson today. And they, the police just laughed at her. <laughs> Yeah, you can't uh, pull yes. the Back to the Future stunt anymore. <laughs> no, people just jump right out. I guess you could uh, break that lock. I mean, if you really needed to be like a mobster, you could break the emergency release. Honestly, if it's an old enough car that it doesn't have the manual release, it usually just has a cord that you can grab. Yeah. Yeah, but then you can't you can't play for Marvin Berry's band and have your parents <laughs> kiss and fall in love. <laughs> You need someone to lock you in the trunk. (laughs) And you can't create the time loop that uh, Johnny B. Good wouldn't exist, except that you went back and taught it to Chuck Berry, right? All I'm going to say to bring this back to talking about games is Funkoverse, Back to the Future figs, coming out in a few months. So there, it all comes back to games. All right, we do and not I have. I thought en- I got us so far off topic. <laughs> we do not have enough time to talk about stuff that's not questions that people want us to talk about. So this is what we're going to do: is we are not all going to answer every question, but we'll all. So one of us will answer at least one of the each of these questions, and and we're just gonna we're gonna get through all of these. And if not, well, that's well, we'll see. Um, but Kitty or Fletcher, do you have one, or should I just throw one out there? Uh, just go because I haven't looked at all these yet. All right. I had one, but I had to scroll to the top to read my part. All right. We're going to start you with Christopher first. Dong because he is in our chat right now and he even changed his name to say Christopher instead of his son's name. So, 
In the beginning of the podcast, Homeworld was the darling game that you mentioned constantly. But in the past year, you rarely talk about it. Has Homeworld been dethroned by Keyforge? Does it still make it onto your gaming play rotation, or is it a retired champion? Um, and then he also mentions Cthulhu Just May Die has clearly fired many of our games and become my go-to Cthulhu game. What games in the past year or two have fired other games to become the new one, new go-to game? So. Fletcher and Kitty, um, if you have anything to answer for that one. But I will answer the Homeworlds one. Um, Homeworlds is still in my, definitely my top 10, possibly still top five of games. I haven't like reorganized that in the last future. But the reason we don't talk about Homeworlds anymore. uh, Homeworlds? No. Homeworlds is a one-on-one. It's from Pyramid Arcade. (gasps) So Kitty doesn't like it because you have to think. Um, Oh, (laughs) I don't like it because it's impossible to learn. It's the it's the it's a, a pyramid plastic pieces yeah. thing, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. So okay. Looney Labs Pyramid Arcade. It is a abstract two player game with four rules. It's not that impossible. Heavy on to the work. abstract. Just heavy on the abstract. Um, but the idea is you're spaceships and you're trying to destroy the other person's home system by either taking out all the ships in their system or just blowing up their star system. Um, and Sydney and I love it. We this is our go-to game for when well was our go-to game anytime we'd go to a restaurant or something just kind of had very limited table space um, it takes up almost no space and it plays great however KeyForge did kill it for all of our have space one-on-one time but I still carry around Homeworlds pretty much everywhere I go it's in my computer backpack so at any point I can pull it out and play it um, I will say it is also like choking hazard the game. Though Pyramid Arcade um, has really changed my estimation <laughs> since having a child. <laughs> the small pyramids are potential choking hazards. The large ones they'd have a hard time with, but the small we'll ones just rename yeah. it to Operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but what do you guys? In the last couple of years, what games have replaced other games? Like at the beginning of this, when the games you played that you just don't play anymore, and something else has taken its place. Uh, Nothing. Well, I don't. <sighs> I don't think I've played really well. So I was playing a lot of Kingdom Death and um, what's the other one? I just can't think of out of my brain. Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. But since this whole COVID thing happened, like I actually don't have those games, and my friends have those games, and you can't play those games if you don't have them. And it doesn't really work by correspondence or Zoom or anything like that. It's just like too much <laughs> management. So. <laughs> I would love to see uh, you try to play Kingdom Death by correspondence. That would yeah, be yeah. <laughs> so good. Stamps. <laughs> Dearest so I haven't George, been many please games. move. <laughs> yeah. Night to Kitty, Night I know that, Kings 5. Yeah. Kitty, I know that since Wingspan hit the table, a lot of other things don't. Yeah. I... But I don't think it replaced, like, one game that I used to play a lot. I would say it replaced, like, several games that we used to sometimes get out that we don't, we never played very often. Um, You know, I went, I'm still in the stages of I went from being somebody who, like, played games when other people had them to now I own my own games. And, like, since I so recently made that transition, it is still, like, it didn't replace anything. It just became my go-to game so like it will be the game that gets replaced if something else really cool and good comes out you found your default game it is a really good default game um that one's i would say my higher player count default game um and we've also found fox in the forest which is a really good default two-player game and that one replaced kind of several two-player games that we would maybe get out every once in a while but didn't really you know make that big an effect on us so, so I found my go-to games. All right, all right. I didn't really replace anything. So, I think generally, it, it's that's what's interesting about doing a podcast for four years, and it's how have we changed, and how are our views on games changed, and what is it that we go to, and what is it the mainstays of the games we talk about all the time? Like, if you go back and listen to the first fifty episodes, we're talking about completely different games as examples as we do now, and it's just kind of like how the industry kind of cycles through. So, but speaking of games and mainstream, that's my segue. Uh, this question <laughs> from Enrique. Oh, you're just going? Oh, I'm just going. Oh. I don't um, get a turn. 
Oh, you can get yeah. a turn. All right, fine. But now I've said Enrique, so I will give you guys after this one. Um, <laughs> I you made us go pick questions, and then you're like, I'll just keep reading. <laughs> Enrique says, um, is there anything you think we can do as individuals or as a community to make board games somewhat more mainstream? And here's the actual interesting question, because um, Enrique, we're trying our best. We really are. 200 episodes. We're, we're doing everything we can. But do we even want board games to be mainstream? Or is it part of the appeal of the hobby that is kind of a niche, that's kind of niche and special? I think this is a deep question. Um, what do you get? What do you think? Do we want games to be mainstream, or is the fact that they're like this little pocket community hobby thing is that what makes games special? I don't think we get to. I decide. would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would be happy with games becoming mainstream. I worry maybe a little bit that um if it became so mainstream that you wouldn't get as much of the variety or the kind of specialized varied offering of games that we have now I we have, have a really, but i at the same time <laughs> yes the more you have a market the more you can make variations and find people to you know who want to play them so Let's take something that's really mainstream, like movies. Movies are really mainstream. You can still find little tiny indie house, grindhouse movies that, you know, that people are really into. And every I just don't like, every, want to be labeled as topic, one of those people. <laughs> Kitty, I only you already watch are. foreign movies. <laughs> I know. If it's, Don't if even it's... look at my Kickstarter history of everything <laughs> is only backed by a hundred people or less. <laughs> You're the grindhouser of the group. Um, I, I agree prefer with... like the foreign coffee house film, you know, <laughs> label, not the grindhouse. <laughs> I'm, I'm classier than that. <laughs> I so I agree with both of you. I do not think there's much that any of us can do. Short of just being accepting of new people coming in and, you know, going out there and asking people if they want to play games. Um, I would say if you're bringing someone new in, don't start with Scythe. Uh, it's a great game, but it's not the first game. <laughs> right. So it's find those gateway games that work. Um, but ultimately, that's that's what we do. And if it were mainstream, if it were it was as common as video games, we would still have a bunch of indie board games that people would play too. Uh, but we would just have a bigger audience, and more people would be able to be making games. Not that, and we wouldn't be talking about are there too many games because you'd have the audience to be able to support it. Um, it's like saying, are there too many movies? Yeah. I mean, if a, if a particular movie does poorly, it does poorly. If a particular video game does poorly, it does poorly. But at the same time, if you make something that people want to play or watch, they will. So he does have a follow-up question that I really like. Um, I try to get my friends into gaming. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> they appease me at times. However, none of them have the same passion I have for board games. And they share for, and they, and they share for like video games and sports. Basically, they like video games and sports better. Um, I've heard of the saying that it's easier to make gamer friends than it is to make friends into gamers, but I don't want new friends. I want my current group to like <laughs> games more. So it's not really a question, but I just love that comment. So honest. I don't want new friends. I just want my friends to be different. How can I okay, change my friends? So, <laughs> I will say, though, if your friends like video games, there are so many ways you can look at what video games they like and find games that have those same qualities that are tabletop games. So that might be a good way to try to bridge the connection there. Yeah, yeah I would like agree. If they I like would... RPGs, like try Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah. Yeah. Great connection. Or even like a heavy story-based scenario game, something where you can get into the story aspect of it. If they like that. But if they like shoot 'em ups then look at some Amerithrash stuff. You know, Arcadia yeah. Quest, now Star Arcadia Quest, um, Mechs versus Minions, if you can get your hands on it. A lot of this stuff that's like super cool art, flashy components, these things will draw in video gamers, uh, but never expect them to actually get to the same level of you. You're not, if they're not into Scythe, I'm, Scythe is going to be my whipping boy for the day. I know, um, you're being so mean to Scythe. <laughs> I actually think I Scythe is not yeah. a bad game to teach people. S Scythe is great. It's not the first game, but... If you are into that and they look at that and be like, uh, what? Don't, don't push it. Switch over to something that's a little bit more 
in the middle. Check out and- our Couch to 5K episode, <laughs> and we can walk you through all the way to Scythe. I think we have like several of our Couch to 5K iterations involved Scythe. <laughs> I think we probably do. Um, but yeah, who uh, Sean mentioned, he says he has a house rule that when he says he wants to play Scythe, everyone becomes busy and hides from him. So that's <laughs> that's what put it in my head. <laughs> All right, Kitty, you get oh, to pick hi, a Haley. question. Haley just popped up at the top of my chat here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my question from David Miller. Card sleeves. Not sure if I've ever heard this talked about on your channel. What is your take on sleeving games? I never thought I would be sleeving cards, but I've gotten to the point now where I'm sleeving 75 to 80% of my games. And continuing the trend upwards. I wasn't sleeving at all. Then I started to sleeve games that required a lot of shuffling. Thunderstone Quest, Clank... And wasn't sleeping games like Arcadia Quest, where the character cards and quest cards just sit out on the table. But then I decided, well, I should probably sleeve all the mini cards because they're getting handled a lot, which turns into, well, now it looks stupid with half the cards <laughs> sleeved. It's only another pack or two to sleeve the rest of the cards. And sleeving gets costly. Life is too short. But they bring comfort. <laughs> so <laughs> I love all the information there. <laughs> I don't sleeve my games. You will. But I feel like I should. I guess I do. I sleeve my Keyforge decks because I was playing competitively and you have to. And it makes them so much easier to shuffle. Yeah. I sleeve practically everything past after the first play. So if I play it once and I think that I'm going to want to play it again, I'll sleeve everything. And sometimes this can be a problem because I just started going through my Mythic Battles Pantheon Kickstarter (laughs) pledge. which has everything, and I was counting cards, and it's 700 sleeves. And I've only played the game once. I'll probably play it again, but not 700 sleeves worth. <laughs> How much do 700 sleeves weigh? Um, Is it more than my toddler? <laughs> they're not They're not light. They do add a lot of bulk and a lot of... A little bit more weight to it. So, but I have paged, like, I just got Cartographer and I sleeved all the Cartographer cards because it's just, I think it's barely 60 cards total. Um, and to that end, let's see, I also got the Mage Knight um, Ultimate Edition and I sleeved all those. Um, but I find that sleeving cards, I have a friend who's like, you know, doesn't even think of sleeving. She's like, no, 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 just shuffle them, throw them all back in there. You don't have to bundle them together. Just throw it all in the box. We'll sort it out the next time we open it. I can't do that. I have to, uh, no, I have to take a little bit better care of it. Um, But for me, when I watch people try to shuffle cards, especially small stacks of cards, I'm like, you're destroying this and it's hurting me. It's hurting me on the inside and on the outside too. So if I sleeve the cards, it just makes it easier for everyone to shuffle. And if someone's eating Cheetos, I don't want to punch them in the face as hard. The only game that I've thought about sleeving is Wingspan. And there are just so many cards in that. But then you said 700. And now I feel like maybe I should sleeve Wingspan. But then I don't know if they would fit in my special containers that you got me for Christmas. So I don't sleeve anything. It's It's not worth my time. (laughs) (laughs) Your time is more valuable than mine. If I wear out the cards, I will buy another copy of the game. (laughs) What if it goes out of print? Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> so Anne mentioned that she can't shuffle sleeve decks at all. And here's the trick to sleeve decks shuffling. I can't do that. I can't either. Yeah. You just yeah. smoosh them. You, yeah, They're you too smoosh slippery. Them. You, they just like you don't try go to, everywhere. <laughs> you do not try well, to you're ruffle. You're getting bad sleeves then. You <laughs> yeah. didn't get the good sleeves. You don't try to do a riffle shuffle or anything like that. I've seen people try to riffle shuffle sleeves cards. You do not need to do that. Split it in half. Set the two halves next to each other and smash them together, and you've done a perfect riffle shuffle. I don't have. Well, then you definitely need to here. like sleeve them <laughs> if you smash your cards together. <laughs> no, you can't smash non sleeve okay. cards together because you'll you'll if you smash non sleeve cards together, they'll split the card. The you have no it- idea. It's so satisfying to smoosh together sleeved cards. They just sm- it's so good. Yeah. But everyone has their own shuffling techniques, and it's funny. (laughs) Like, this is one of those debates where nobody is happy with anyone else's shuffling technique. Well, it's because the most effective one is also the stupidest looking one. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we do an episode where we talked about this? Yeah. this um, The most effective way. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's called, um, I think it's just called playing cards or deck of cards um but we talk about various different ways of shuffling and how what most people do if you do a pile shuffle you are not shuffling your cards at all 
when people do that, especially when I'm playing against Keyforge and stuff, I just take their cards and shuffle them for them because you are not shuffling, you are stacking your deck and it annoys me to no end. Like when you do the like take the cards and kind of I'm only making this more clear yeah. for the people in Zoom. <laughs> like the overhand shuffle. So an overhand yeah. shuffle is also not shuffling cards at all. So yeah, unless you riffle, do a riffle you shuffle. You have to do seven times or more, maybe, right? No, a riffle but shuffle. The smoosh. And a smooth shuffle, which are essentially the same thing. If you do a 60-card deck seven times, Mm-mm. you'll have a perfectly shuffled deck. No, the the smoosh where you just dump them all on the table and mush oh, them around. That's, yeah, the 52-card mix-up. That's mix the up. most effective way. That's <laughs> that the best shuffle. Well. Don't shuffle your game cards like that. I'm though. doing a lot of <laughs> motions here. Hand I hope waving. Zoom yeah. appreciates it. Fletcher, save it. us. What's the question you wanted to answer? <laughs> okay. Rachel Brady writes, if you were only to able to play one game for the rest of your li- rest of your life what would it be what would the game be and why would you choose it i have a cop-out answer on this one which is poker i wonder if it's the same oh no it's poker not the <laughs> yeah and the reason for it is you give what, me 52 what variation? cards doesn't matter um you give me 52 cards and i can make all the types of variations i want <laughs> the reason it's See, a cop-out. I was is- just going to say, is it just, can I say, like, I would like a deck of 52 cards and I can play whatever games I want with that? Because that's what I would say. Yeah. I would, that's like, it's the <laughs> that's, most. That's not the question, though. The question <laughs> isn't. If, Don't make us play by the rules. If Fletcher. you could have 52 pieces of paper, how many games could you play? <laughs> that's not the question. It's if you could only play one game. It's one All game. All right. You answer it first, and then I will. I will answer that. Well, for me, it's simple. For me, it would obviously be Dungeons and Dragons because Ooh. that game. And I mean, I, you could even stick me with an edition, right? Like I don't know, fifth edition. I'd even be happy with like three, three and a half. But like, you give me an edition of Dungeons and Dragons, I could play that game and only that game for the rest of my life. You might and as why? well say because... Pathfinder then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't played Pathfinder, but yeah, I know that's like it's three, three five. <laughs> Um, but like why it's because it's, it's almost like infinitely customizable, like given the rule set, you can, there's so many fun things that you can do with that rule set. And that is one game, not a deck of cards. It is a rule set. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal your answer. Cause you're a hundred percent right. If it has to be a single game, cause I'm, I was kind of thinking in the board game world, but it's hard to find a board game that you wouldn't eventually get tired of or that requires someone else to not get tired of it as well. Because you could say something like um, Homeworld. I mean, I could play that game probably forever as long as there was someone else who also wanted to play with it, play me with it forever. But D&D, I, I, yeah, for all the same reasons, if I had to choose one game for eternity, it would be Dungeons and & Dragons. And Kitty, you can't I say think- Pathfinder. I mean, Pathfinder is amazing, and <laughs> I just wish that somebody would DM for me because I'm too lazy to do it. Um, but I'm trying to think of something that's more like a puzzle, like something like I don't want to say pandemic, but I want to say pandemic. Something where it's it's like solitaire, you know? It's something that's different every time you set it up. It's puzzly. It's fun, but I would get really bored of pandemic. Look at the Maybe it's introvert, just extrovert there. And I know. Fletcher and I are like D and D. We want to get a group of people together and tell stories with each other. And you're like, um, I, want I don't to know solve what it would a puzzle be. By and you're like, <laughs> you're like, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> don't give it. <laughs> no, because I like I like that with you know these games you could play by yourself. You can't play D and D alone. You, you guys heard of this game called Word Search? <laughs> <laughs> I would just like a book of uh, crossword puzzles. So just Rachel does logic puzzles if I had to. Yeah, but. Rachel has a follow on question that I'm going to source the audience for. Um, and that <laughs> is, I usually have five to six people at my game nights. There are a lot of great two to four player games out there, but it's still much harder to find games that go up to six that are not more like party games. What are some favorite six player games um, that you have enjoyed? Uh, let's see. Alibaba, Bang, Codenames are the ones they normally go to. Um, she heard Tiny Towns can go to six. So throw out... And for those who are listening, throw out some suggestions. A few that I can think of is a ton of cool roll and writes. So Cartographer, fantastic game. Um, and there's even a little bit of take that, but you can take the take that out of there if you want to. Um, Railroad Inc. I really, really like. Um, 
The Let's chat see. is going crazy, Chris. Pay attention. Uh, yeah, chat is going crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. Elder Sign, Bang the Dice Game. Uh, bang the Dice Game is so much better than Bang, by the way. Um, let's see. Betrayal at House on the Hill, Mysterium, Oceans, Sushi Go Party, Zombicide, uh, Power Grid goes to six. The Crew, Quest for Planet Nine. Does that really go to six? Um, Firefly Adventures, Seven Wonders. Um, I don't know that Clank and Clank and Space. Well, they might, Clank might go to five, I think. Um, Rising Sun would be amazing. Like that goes up to seven. And if you have a group that likes to, you know, kind of negotiate with each other, that'd be a good one. Um, Monopoly goes to gold. Eight. Just saying. What does? <laughs> Get out of Monopoly. this chat. Monopoly goes up to eight. <laughs> Taz says Formula D. Um, Isle of Sky. So there's a few of them out there. But yeah, I think. Um, if you're looking for not a board game, but something really, really fun to do at a party, uh, Space Teams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Space, oh, team. space team. It's an yeah. app game. Yeah. So much fun. I have never had that flop with groups of so many different kinds of people. It's ridiculous. And don't try to play it if you have a sleeping child in your house. Because no, you a- yell things like, hit the DNA family. <laughs> Toggle- space, <laughs> space team is a good oh, one to so go good. to when you have that board game party. And at the end of the night, when you still have a little bit of time left for games, but everyone's done a little too much drinking. Everyone's burned out. <laughs> yeah. Bring out space team. Yeah. Um, I think my recommendations would be rising sun is is a really really good one to get everyone involved in um all, all of these are are good but i don't get to play enough rising sun so that one is, i'm just kind of like gravitating to if you haven't played seven wonders i assume that that's on your list but if you haven't it should be on your list it plays fast at every player count and there's a ton of expansions and it's just a great game like I want to say it's one of those, oh, it's Catan. I played it so much. But every time I play it, I have fun playing it. So, all right. I think we should roll this right on into Jason's question. Um, He is looking for suggestions for um, party games. He is new to the show. So, uh, 7 to 11 people, ages ranging from 24 to 28. So, all adults, party games. Telestrations, Uh, my fave. Yep. Telestrations. Oh, Matthew Droke says Witch Hunt. I 100% agree. Witch Hunt is like the werewolf of... It's, it, is a, it is a better werewolf. Um, social deduction type of thing. With up to 10, you could also play Avalon or The Resistance if you want, if you mm-hmm. like that social deduction-y kind of stuff. But that 11th person is really gonna... <laughs> yeah, if you, if you have 11, you can't play that, then switch over to Witch Hunt. Um, Time's Up is a good one. I like Catchphrase a whole lot better. Um, and See, I like Taboo um, Insider? more. <laughs> Insider? Insider? Insider is probably- great. We love Insider. <laughs> yeah. Insider is probably one of the best. So what Insiders is just 20 questions with a hidden helper. And the helper needs to help without getting caught. <laughs> um, and the inverse of it is Detective Club, where there's somebody who doesn't know what's going on, but everyone else does. And you're trying to figure out who does not know the answer. Yeah. Actually, Spyfall. So- Spyfall is a good one. Spyfall is good too. Group. Yep. Um, let's see. Who else Trying to word? stay away from the apples to apples variety of card games. Chris shall not mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I. But there's so many of those. <laughs> if your group is into that mechanic, the cards against humanity mechanic, which is really the apples to apples mechanic, um, then there's enough of them where you don't need our help. But. Yeah. Charty Party uh, was a fun one. Charty Party. Yeah. I mean, that, that's another kind of apples. Yeah. That's a chart with a with a phrase. Um, Matthew says, we're doomed. I have not played, but I will trust. Anne says, celebrities. Um, Sean says, blood on the clock tower. Ooh. So none of those are things I've played, but I trust that those are great recommendations as well. So um, click your back button about, 30, about a minute and 30 seconds and write all that stuff down. <laughs> as long I, as you're not driving yeah don't do it right now if you're driving nobody's driving <laughs> everyone's at home people drive <laughs> all right um is it my turn now i think uh sure or fletcher i think it's my is turn it all right fletcher you go okay so Chris- christopher comstack uh, just curious if you have ever played any 4x games if so which of them and your favorite if you have one so 
Can- I mean, I'll go. So I haven't actually played any traditional board game 4X games. The only one that I've ever played is Civilization, which is like a board game simulator 4X game. <laughs> and I, by default, that's my favorite. I like, I love that 4X genre of game, but I haven't played any besides Civilization. I'm pretty sure Spencer is playing Galactic Civilization 2 right now. Yep. So, so the funny <laughs> so this thing is about go-to. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing about 4X games is they tend to be civilization games or space games. Um, and you guys just mentioned two in the video game realm. Eclipse is my favorite 4X game right now. Um, I talked about it several episodes in a row because we were playing it, and it's so very good. And that's a space version. Um, Star Trek Ascendancy, I really enjoyed except for the downtime in that is a little too long for me to like be my go-to space game. But if you like Star Trek, then it's a really good one to get into. Um, let's see. Once I start thinking Descent, I can't really think of anything else. Oh, Zaya. Zaya is a really good one, too. Um, it's a roll and move, but it gets away with it because you can... <laughs> because I don't know how like it gets it. away with it. I, actually, I do, but I don't know how it gets away with it because a lot of it is <laughs> dice based. But you roll the die to see how far you move. Like it's literally a roll and move. Um, but with the expansion, it mitigates a lot of the more swingy randomness. So um, if you're going to play Zaya, definitely get the the expansion to it. But that's like you know your traditional four X sandboxy game, um, trade, expand, conquer, all those types of things. But if I had to pick one, I would say Eclipse. Get Eclipse, New Dawn of the Galaxy, I think it's is the subtitle. It's, it's the current version, not the first version. Um, get that and live happily ever after. It's awesome. Um, I anyone don't think else? I play any. <laughs> anyone in the chat have a 4X you want to throw out there? They're suspiciously quiet. <laughs> yeah. I like these guys. <laughs> it's, it's a, 4X is a hard one because it's a very specific niche of gamer. Like, you really have to say, I'm willing to invest a lot of time in here. Because in order to do all four of those aspects well, you have to give yourself time to build that up. And, yeah. it, you know, Twilight Imperium is one of the, you know, 4X games. And people are like, well, dedicate a weekend to it if you're going to play it six players, because that's how long it's going to take you. Do I have anything um, to do for the next 48 hours? No. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> how about How about you three people? Do you have anything to do for the next 48 hours? Yeah. Um, Terrence actually mentioned one that I should have brought up and should have thought about. Tiny Epic Galaxies. This is the fastest 4X <laughs> game you can play. You didn't. It it's the best of all the Tiny Epics, and it is an amazing small 4X game. Um, it'll play in under an hour, and it's really really good. Taz asks, "Is Outer Star Wars Outer Rim count as a 4X game?" Um, I think there are definitely vibes of it that can feel 4X-y, but in general, probably not truly 4x although i would still recommend everyone play outer rim it is really really fun um eric mentions emperor of the empire of the void 2 definitely a 4x game um this is a ryan lockett game it is also very good and i think i would still play eclipse over it although the personality that empire of the void has could win if you're just looking for like pure scene you may want empire of the void first um all right. Is it Matthew? Matthew? Matthew Morden? Sure. I'm, I'm just going to go with that. Um, he says... Don't put this on us, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has two questions. First one says, I saw a thread on BGG where someone asked how many games in your collection have a solo mode. Thought it was an interesting question. Mine is 30 of 91. That's including a lot of solo variants that I've tried for games that don't come with solo modes. So I think the implied question is... Well, I, the question, the leading question is, how many of your games have solo modes? Fletcher, you're probably easiest to answer here. Yeah, I, actually, I don't even know how many games I have, but I, my guess would probably be like maybe close so to half. So it's weird that you like actually. turned and looked over your shoulder at your virtual background, which is Chris's game shelf. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's very confusing. I was like, yeah. I well, forget. You can't see it, but they're all over there. Um. I would say maybe close to half of them, but bear in mind, I only have maybe like 10 or 12 board games. So we're only talking about like five or six, Um, but maybe close to half of them thereabouts. Have you played any of them solo? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, some of them are actually solo games, right? Like one of them that you gave me was Friday. Like I have played that game and it's a solo game. So um, (laughs) pandemic I have, 
you can play that solo. I played that solo. I played the captain is dead. I played that solo. Um, so yeah. Kitty, what about you? At least three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and those are the only ones I've played solo, but I'm not sure. I'm sure that I've got other ones that have solo modes that I'm not thinking of right now. I'd be curious to see what you think of wingspan and salt with a solo mode. I've played it. Um, it's okay. I like it better with other people, but, um, it's fun. I just, uh, and Sagrada is the, one of the other ones I played solo. And then I have, um, a Kickstarter I backed called Abandons. It's a solo labyrinth game, which is very, oh, and the Maiden, Maiden's Quest. So at least four of my games. All right. Maiden's Quest and Abandons are exclusively solo. They're just meant to be played with one person. Um, but, both Sagrada and Wingspan, it's kind of like you're playing towards a target number, and there are things that happen to like kind of mimic the other player interactions, but you're really just playing to hit like, oh, if you got 60 points or above, you did great, hooray, and if you didn't, you did poorly, and if you did worse than 30 points, why even bother? And those ones I don't find quite as compelling. Um as the the ones that are more made to solo cuz yeah. those don't feel like they mean as much as beating another human. So I can't do a count. Um that would actually be a Saturday afternoon project. <laughs> um but I would be surprised if anything less than 60% of my games didn't have a solo mode. In other words, the vast majority of them do and part of that is for the longest time games I would buy I would be drawn to them only if they had a solo mode. Um, I may never play the solo mode, but I always wanted to see one to whatever on there. Now, this was, you know, four years ago when we first started this, that that was a big deal for me. Um, and lately it's become less of an issue, but also less of an issue because more and more games are automatically including a solo mode. I mentioned Mythic um, Battles Pantheon earlier. It is a dueling game. It's a head head-to-head dueling game, but there's a solo campaign in there. So if I wanted to play the game, I could still play it solo following that campaign. Cloudspire is you know designed to be head-to-head, but most people will tell you that the solo mode is probably more compelling, even though it's you know it's not the main mode. So I I think I do not I'm not in the camp that every game needs a solo mode. I am encouraging designers that if there is a way of making your game have a solo mode, you will broaden your audience, though. Um, Even if it's just a matter of letting people play that couldn't normally play. The other night, I couldn't sleep. I got up. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I played a game of cartographers just to clear my mind so that I could, like, go back to sleep. You know, that game is a roll and write. It plays 1 to 100. And there I was, 4 o'clock in the morning, playing cartographer to, you know, be able to go back to sleep. Every game is soloable. You know, you just have to <laughs> put in the effort. Like I've talked about before, Stratego, played by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's playing solo or just being depressing. <laughs> we did a whole episode on you, that. I mean, actually, you forget a lot. You forget a lot of like where the pieces are. Yeah. No, like I said, I played solo. I played solo Keyforge a lot. You know, there's a lot of games that you could turn into solo games if you want to. Um, and then he has a quick follow-up question. Have I ever thought of doing a painting class over Zoom? And the truth is, I've never thought of it. But now that you mention it, I guess I wouldn't actually be against doing something like that. Um, this actually dovetails into another... Put you need to grow an Afro, Patreon tier. <laughs> what, what? What did you say, Fletcher? I said you need to grow an Afro first. Oh, I so do. So you can paint yes. some happy little miniatures. <laughs> this is, yes. yes. And, and now let's paint some clouds and trees. Um, let's... We're going to paint a second miniature now because everybody needs a friend. So a related question from Terry Ash. Have I ever thought of a contest to play a game with a listener? Um, and the again, no, because you don't really have to win a contest. If you want to play a game with me, I won't speak for Kitty and Fletcher, um, just reach out. And if we can set up a time to play online, um, I will play Can't Stop with anybody with a few days notice. I will I will set up a time. So if you just want to hang out on Zoom and play Can't Stop, 100% guarantee that. Also, Sean just put on an Afro wig and now I'm very distracted, but that still goes back to... <laughs> That's why I had to switch to speaker view. <laughs> <laughs> that still goes back to, yes. So if anyone actually, you know, want to play a game on Board Game Arena... 
um, shoot me an email and we'll set up a time. We'll, we'll make it work. Um, as far as, you know, like painting classes and stuff. Um, I don't know how valuable I would be. <laughs> ah, I guess the, the thing is, I, I was going to say over like YouTube tutorials, but I guess the difference is if it's a two way zoom, I can see you what can you're give doing. Actual feedback. And I can give yeah. actual feedback. You taught um, me how to paint miniatures. Yeah, but not over Zoom. And That's I've done a true. lot of painting classes. I've taught painting classes um, at the game store a few times. Um, I've done it. Um, actually, I've done it a lot of times. I just, it feels like over the years, it's usually a couple times a year that I'll teach like intro painting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I'm not against it, though. All right, Kitty, save me. Pick Stop a question, giving quick. it away from free and make it some <laughs> Patreon content. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe new Patreon levels. <laughs> Actually, uh, all right, you are right. Just if unsubscribe, though. <laughs> I can't unsubscribe. You gotta. We gotta work on these tiers. If if you're a patron, I will play games with you. I guaranteed. I'm gonna add that to the patron levels <laughs> um, and painting classes as well. Whatever. Well. We'll have a level that is, you know, one-on-one with the the team. All right, Kitty, your turn. Um, Taz asks, I know you've done an episode on two-player games, but given that so many people are stuck together with their, with their significant other, replayability now becomes a lot more important. Favorite two-player games with good replayability to avoid, boydom, avoid boredom. That was harder to say than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> with the game. Or frustration slash anger at each other. Their current favorite is Horrified. Um, I am a big fan of Fox in the Forest. It is a two-player trick-taking game. Um, me and Spencer love trick-taking games. So this is a no-brainer for us. We will play that all the time. It came on a... I, I brought maybe like three or four games on our trip to London. And this was the only one we ended up playing. Because we loved it. And we played it over and over and over. Fletcher, do you have any recommendations? Also to the group. Uh, no, because Carmen doesn't like to play games. <laughs> Only Animal Crossing. So Animal Crossing is that game. Um, well, I would be remiss if I didn't say Cthulhu Death May Die. It's available on Amazon. Go get it. Um, seriously, there's just, uh, in general, I think co-op games, co-op story games are good. Um, two-player games where it's kind of a good break between, which is what, you know, Horrified is, you know, co-op game. I think if you go full on competitive, unless both both people are equally competitive, it can get wearing on the person who's like not as competitive. So hidden, like I just I think that co op games are kind of the way to go. However, um, roll and rights are also a good one. Again, I'm going to throw out it's it's a Spiel nomina- nomination nominee now. So I'm going to say Cartographer is a fantastic one. Um, Railroad Inc. is on those same lines. They both remind me kind of this, of a similar feel for those. Um, let's see. Uh, Sagrada. was another one I really liked. Which one? Herbaceous. Herbaceous. Um, that yes. one might be hard to find, but if you can find it, yeah, that can be good. Is it? It's, it's I a got point. it on Amazon. So. All right. Yeah, it's like a point salad <laughs> thing. Um, Eric mentions Sagrada. Um, Sean mentions any of the forbidden, forbidden games. So like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. Um, these are the co-op, um, co-op games where you're racing against a clock to do something. Um, and like replayability. Yes, you can buy your basis for $20 on Amazon. I don't think you're thinking of the game that I'm thinking of. Um, this is the one where you're planting herbs in your personal garden. There's like a community just, garden. I just assumed that it wouldn't still be available because it seemed like a small little Kickstarter, but I'm glad that it's out there. No, I bought this one um, at Dice Dojo, maybe? Eh. I actually picked this one up in a store. You just assume that all of my games are unpopular and that nobody <laughs> but me wants to play them. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right. Um, Terrence and Matthew both mentioned Azul. Um, Matthew mentions Potion Explosion and Can't Stop. Actually, um, Potion Explosion is fine. Not anywhere as good as Gizmos, though. Gizmos is one of my favorite just quick little hit the table. (laughs) Uh, I could play that game over and over and over and over. Um, Yeah. Track down Gizmos if you can. Hopefully you can. Actually, uh, Terrence also mentions uh, Backgammon and Cribbage, and I have to say... As old standbys and uh, thumbs up to both of those. I love backgammon and cribbage. We play Rummy 500. 
but yeah. not with Chris's mom because she cheats. <laughs> she just makes up the rules <laughs> as she goes along. <laughs> All right. Um, Fletcher, I think it's your turn. Yes. Ralph Rosario asked the question, if you know nothing about someone's preferences, what games would you recommend to them to play? Extension question, what games with conflict would you recommend? What peaceful games would you recommend? <laughs> so This question's funny. You know nothing. What should I do? <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to say, like, if you know nothing about this person, I don't know why I would be recommending games to them. But, I mean, I'd, I'd have to, like, take it in the most broad sense and say, like, if, if I don't know anything about this person, I'd be like, so, Pandemic? Sushi Go Party? <laughs> like, those are approachable Splendor. games, assuming that... Splendor. Splen- yeah, exactly. Splendor um, or Century Spice Road are my... You'll probably Golem. get this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Century yeah. Golem Edition is my go-to. Exactly. I like the Golem. plain, boring cubes, and you can't change my mind. No, you can keep pushing cubes. It's totally fine. Um, the gameplay is fun <laughs> either way. It's just more visually stimulating if you have cool crystals and awesome-looking golems. Just saying. Yeah. But I like flashy things to make it a good game. (laughs) Yeah. But I think those would be. You do need the play mat, though. (laughs) I love the play mat. (laughs) Yeah. So, in general, if I'm recommending something for someone I don't know, I'm always going to go to those um, entry level gateway games because I don't know. Um, But I'm going to go to gateway games that I enjoy playing myself. So, if they happen to be a gamer, it'll be a game that they still enjoy. Um, Many of the games that we just mentioned do not have conflict. They're they're relatively yeah. peaceful. Um, conflict games are a little bit trickier because we don't like them. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're not I'm a high a, conflict group. We're not a high conflict group, that's for sure. But I do I do enjoy them. It's just it's a different mindset, and it is incredibly difficult to recommend a conflict game to somebody that you don't know. Unless I'm saying Keyforge, because I think Keyforge is one of those easy to get into. It's conflict, but low. Low it's conflict. Not that conflict. How is that low conflict? <laughs> I think that's I mean, funny. Kitty's like, it's not conflicty. And Flutter's like, that's so conflicty. <laughs> I mean, it's a dueling game. It's straight like murder each other's creatures. It's head to head, but it doesn't feel. I don't, which I don't is know. Why, which is why I would recommend it because it does have that competitive feel to it, but it doesn't feel overly take that, even though it is completely take that. Except that one say, time. It's like very take that. <laughs> exactly. That one time um, was very bad. <laughs> but All right. I like it. So it can't be take that because I don't like take that games because it brings out the table flipper in me. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, a few minutes more. So um, I want to hit two specific. These are going to be quick. Um, John asks, any games you think would be better with scenarios? And 100% off the top of my head, because Kitty just reminded me of this, Splendor. <laughs> Splendor is way better with scenarios. And I can tell you that because if you get Splendor, the app, the only way to play it is to play through all the scenarios. And you will just not be able to put it down. Splendor, the game itself, pretty good. Great to play with families. Not overly deep, not hard, but way, way better with scenarios. Because Chris hmm. said it the other day, Pandemic. Okay. I think Pandemic would do really good with scenarios. Yeah, I would agree. It would give it more solo replayability to me because now I just kind of play it mindlessly and I don't mind if I forget that I was halfway through a game and just give up on it. <laughs> Fletcher, you have any games you think would be better with scenarios? Uh, I don't know if I have any suggestions off the top of my head. Uh, I, I do like Pandemic. I think that suggestion is pretty good, but I don't think I have anything besides that. All right, Kitty, grab a question. Oh, ah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> or Fletcher. Uh, Eric wants to know how we organize our game shelves. All right, you first. Uh, I do it by size, how they fit into the shelves. (laughs) (laughs) Autobiographically. (laughs) Uh, um, Besides, I just try to fit them. I I do it by how to maximize the space in the cabinet that I have that I keep my games in. All right. Fletcher, what about you? I just, I mean, autobiographically, obviously. (laughs) The only way. I organize them by my likelihood to play them. So essentially, the stuff that goes on my shelves are the things that I'm more likely to play. And the stuff I'm least likely to play will end up on the floor and then eventually onto the basement shelves. Um, 
if I'm really organized, it'll just be games that I am super likely to play are on my game room shelves, and then other games are on the basement shelves. Now, sometimes the rotation changes. I will revisit something and then pull it back up. But in general, that's how I organize it. No other way on the shelves themselves, short of I have some bigger shelves and some smaller shelves. So the big shelves have bigger games. Um, but Sydney does have her own shelf. So there's one shelf, the upper left corner that I can't reach because she's taller than me. Um <laughs> Those are her games. So, and that's the stuff that I'm not allowed to give away at Gen Con. That's why she puts it on the top shelf where I can't reach it. So, actually, my my real answer, since I don't have very many games, is the bigger games go on the bottom and the smaller games go on the top. So, it just creates kind of like a pyramid. <laughs> but I don't have very many games. So, it's just a pyramid of games. <laughs> Matthew says, Fletcher, you're winning the um, points race on answering questions tonight. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but... I know Matthew must be wrong. Um, by the way, Matthew, congratulations. And <laughs> I'm going to the post office tomorrow. Um, but that's an aside. Uh, David Miller asks, uh, my review on the ultimate gaming table, because I have now have two of them. So here's my review. The Kickstarter one was great. Um, it was the white with the blue felt, and it matched my game room great. And then they discontinued like that natural light color wood with the white thing, so you can't get those anymore, which made me sad. But I needed a smaller table for my game room because I decided to go big, and I shouldn't have. So I ordered another gaming table, but I ordered their... Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a cheaper version. Um, for the the price, super, super... like Couldn't recommend it high enough. It's like... It's a great gaming table, and it's a great price. It's like a couple hundred dollars compared to like thousands of dollars for other gaming tables. Um, this is the ultimate ultimate gaming table, if you just Google that. But I will say that one creaks to all get out. So you cannot play stealth board games on it. Because as soon as you touch the table, it goes... <laughs> but I think with some... <laughs> it's true. Um, I think with some wood glue, uh, if I reassemble it with some wood glue at the different connection points, I can get the the squeaking to go away. It just becomes a table you can't disassemble anymore. So that is my review. Great value for what you get. Um, it's not, you know, antique, what is it? Heirloom, heirloom quality furniture by any means. <laughs> um, but it is great for what it is. This ain't your grandpappy's gaming table. <laughs> well, you guys have been at both my gaming tables. Um, it's hard to remember the two, but the one you were almost never at because it was just, it was the entire room and nobody huge. could sit in it there. It took up way too much space. Right. You couldn't actually sit in there. But the other one um, isn't actually, it's it's like the perfect size for gaming. And I think that's the, I want to say four by six and not the five by eight. It's whatever the second biggest one is, is, is a good size. Maybe it's three by five. I think it's three by five um, for the, surface area because we can play keyforge across from each other and not have to like use cell phones to communicate where the other one that extra <laughs> foot and a half makes a huge difference so um all right we have time for one more maybe two uh a really quick one what is your favorite game publisher and what is your most bought publisher uh fantasy flight is definitely my most bought publisher hands down by far all the lcgs i've just dumped so much money into them favorite is probably stonemeyer um not necessarily because the, every game i like although most other game he get, likes i just love the way he's open about everything and involved in the community and just interacts and gets involved in things um some of my smaller publishers i like uh osprey games they make some really good stuff um uh whiz kids has come out with a lot of stuff i like I'm trying to think of anyone else um i mean red raven games is that um all of the ryan lockett stuff is all red raven it yes all of the ryan lockett yeah. stuff those are all good ones as well all right well we didn't get through no not all... thanks ann <laughs> <laughs> uh fletcher do you have a favorite publisher uh i don't know if i have a favorite i mean i guess I maybe like wizards but uh, I oh, mean, good call. Yeah, I, I don't really again. follow them or any. Yeah, it's D and D. Um, but I don't. I don't really like track publishers or anything. So not really. All right. Um, well, we didn't get through all of them. However, Christopher, Derek, Joe, uh, Jesse, Jimothy, we will answer these questions. We're going to tack them on to the end of a few episodes in the future. Um, 
And let's do our last gift card giveaway. So the way this works is everyone who emailed us a question is entered. Everyone who is here listening live is entered. And everyone who was here last week listening live is also entered. Um, You know, just trying to push this whole Zoom thing. So it's all cool. And... (laughs) Um, I'm going to share my screen so we are live, and this is a live drawing. Um, Ignore the winner. Ignore the winner. Um, Exactly. So the way the spreadsheet works is I'm going to count down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and on 1, wherever the winner spot is highlighted is our winner. So going 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and the winner is Rachel Brady. Yay! Congratulations. Is she in the chat right now? Um, I don't know. You hid the chat. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm hiding the chat. Um, <laughs> so if uh, she is not here, so Rachel, just let me know if you want an Amazon card or a cool stuff card, and I will get that out to you as soon as I'm sitting in front of my computer and paying attention to things like that. Um, <laughs> but everyone, so thank you all for sending in questions. These are really fun episodes to do. Um, thanks, everyone who joined. It's even cooler when you know people can participate in responding to answer some of these questions that we don't always have all the answers to. Um, but we'll always pretend like we do. <laughs> that is all it really takes to be, to have a podcast is just to pretend like, you know, something and it doesn't matter if you actually do or not. Um, I lost my show notes, so that's going to be fun. Oh, I found them again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. Next week is our 197th episode. Um, I don't know what the topic is. I actually, I think I do know what the topic is, but I'm not going to say it out loud just yet because I got to get Kitty and Fletcher on board first. Um, oh boy. So we got to pressure them. Actually, maybe it's easier if I pressure you now. So, no. all right, I'm going to do that now. Ready? Ready for pressure? Here it comes. Um, oh. I do want to do an episode on online gaming sites, but in order for us to do this, we have to actually play some games with each other on these sites. So that's all I'm asking is sometime between now and next week, we play a game. I can do that. <laughs> you can't hear it in the actual audio recording because I strip out silences, but that was a very long silence. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. If we're not able to get a game or two in, we'll switch up. I have a few other subjects on the list as well. Okay. let's. I think that's all we have to talk about. Um yeah, I mean, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast, Twitter, Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Um, if you want to check out our Patreon, we have some Friends of the Show slots open. Just saying. <laughs> uh, TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon. And Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at TabletopGameTalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Milner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Baz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric C. Lander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letgo, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Ang- Angus Toth, Agnes Toth, excuse me, Paul Raymer, <laughs> Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lancet Brown, and Christopher Comstock. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Should we answer a, a mini question in the post credits? Sure, what's you. a mini question? I scrolled down too far. All right, let's do this <laughs> one. What's your most memorable gaming experience? Ready, Fletcher, go. Oh, man. Uh, this isn't a mini question. <laughs> the two things that immediately jumped to mind is like playing um, board games with my grandfather and like the very first time I played D&D. I was like, what is this? What am I doing? Excellent. Kitty? One that pops to mind, I don't know if it's one of my most memorable, um, 
but it's here is when I sent my animal companion into a portal and you sent it back as a mutated, gross, awful thing. I we didn't do it. D&D. The portal yes, you did. did. I have no control over <laughs> what these portals the portal, do. You are the portal, DM. <laughs> oh, way to break the fourth wall. Um, my most memorable gaming moment, I want to say like happy things and positive things and stuff, but honestly, <laughs> you know, that whole negativity bias, I think the most memorable gaming moment was that game of photosynthesis with Josh. Oh. <laughs> I've blocked it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, I mean, there's a bunch of other positive moments, but if like the first thing I thought of, like that's what popped to the top of my mind. All right. That's it. That's an episode. Press stop.